You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 High FM. Chatting with us today is Moklatsi Komote from, uh, she's from uh, UWC, from the Dollar Omar Institute at, uh, at UWC. And she's a research and advocacy officer based at the Women and Democracy Initiative therein. She also holds an LLB degree from University of Johannesburg and is currently the coordinator of Pali Watch, which is a fantastic uh, initiative, which is a collective comprised of organizations based in the Eastern and Western Cape. And it's called the Put People in Parliament Project, a brilliant, brilliant initiative. Muklatsi, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Rob. I'm well, thank you. And how are you? Great to have you on show. We've been uh, chatting um, behind the scenes quite quite often and more more so recently on the pitfalls of of public participation, especially in the broader sense of our demographic and and society, and particularly around uh, access to to information and such. But Tell, tell us a bit more about the, this initiative and this collective that, that you are involved in, which is, uh, in a sense, bringing uh, people closer to, to Parliament. Thank you so much, uh, Rob, for having me on, on this program this afternoon. So just to give you a bit of a background, the Parley Watch, which uh, stands for Parliament Watch, actually, and the Putting People in People's Parliament, the PIP Project, um, is a collective of organizations that work towards the advancement of social justice, human rights, and constitutional democracy in South Africa. And our work has largely been centered around improving access to information on legislatures, uh, capacitating and collaborating with civil society organizations to engage with and participate in different legislatures. Like you said in your introduction, um, we do work in the Eastern and Western Cape. Um, however, we have partners who have a reach in different provinces in, in South Africa. And basically what we do, or some of the things that we have done as, as Polywatch and PIP, is that we have actually conducted research around the effectiveness of, of some of these legislatures in conducting their business, whether they have been performing adequate oversight whether they have been accessible um, and performing public engagement as they should in terms of their constitutional obligations and, and mandates. So to give you a, a, a bit of more background as well, I mean, some of our partners include, for example, the Public Service and Accountability Monitor, which is based in, in, in the Eastern Cape, and we have the Social Justice Coalition. We have the Women on Farms Project. We have the Right to Know campaign. Um, and we have the pub, uh, Parliamentary Monitoring Group and a few others who are a part of, of this, this group, this fantastic group of individuals and organizations that have come together that monitor the different legislatures um, and national parliament. And what we do is on a weekly basis or as frequently as possible, we have monitors from those different civil society organizations that go in and monitor some of the portfolio committee or committee meetings in, in national parliament and in the Western Cape provincial parliament and in the Eastern Cape provincial legislature. And obviously through this monitoring, important uh 
observations have been made by our project around whether people have been able to adequately um, access and engage in the work of these legislatures. So I, I'm not sure to what extent you would like for me to go into detail, uh, but, but I think we can engage on it quite, quite further. And we do some research as well around this and we've released some research reports and we are going to release actually in the next couple of months a research report on public access to online committee meetings. Um, and this is based on our observations around what has been happening throughout the COVID-19 pandemic in the legislature, specifically national parliament in actual fact. Um, and we hope to, to share that with the public as soon as, as, as possible. But I thought I would, I would give that very brief introduction to the PolyWatch PIP project. Oh, absolutely brilliant. It's, it's fantastic and it's exactly what, what we do need to promote a, a transparent and, a, and accountable uh, government at, at this stage, which is something that we, we are not actually seeing, um, especially at the provincial level, when that is rather concerning. I've heard there are reports of um, many people complaining that they simply cannot get in touch with with different legislatures. They cannot get uh, information from them. And this is through normal avenues like websites and, and, and so on. Yet um, there are other challenges that, that, that we do face as well. So um, I don't know if you want to reveal some of your, your findings with us in, in a brief format be, before your report does come out. But what were the what are the major challenges facing facing these these institutions and in, and how do they affect uh, public participation uh, in in a negative way? Uh, thank you very much, Rob. I think I will answer the the second part of your question first, and then I can go into a very brief overview of our research. Uh, but in terms of some of the major challenges, I think that the biggest thing that has come up, especially now that most of the legislatures have moved to a more virtual uh, way of conducting their business, is that people do not always have access to data. And you will see that a lot of the websites of these different legislatures and national parliament are actually not zero-rated websites, which means that people need data to actually access and engage with the business of, of the legislatures. So that's the one thing. The second part of it is that people have notified us that there are some barriers in terms of receiving information adequately. So, for example, uh, in national parliament, for example, there's something known as a Z-list, and it's made publicly available. But one of our concerns has been that it is not uh, as easily accessible for members of the public who, for example, are not part of collectives such as ours or who are not part of civil society organizations and don't necessarily know where they can source this information. So there's something to be said around the fact that, in actual fact, one of the big concerns is that people do not know where they can find information around the work of the different legislatures. And then the second part is when they do eventually find this information, in certain instances, this information is not easily accessible. Uh, and, and in some instances, there are barriers like communication. Who do you get this information from in the different legislatures? We've heard concerns as recently as, as yesterday when we had 
a round table that people had actually noted that some of the information, the contact information or contact details of the people in the different provincial legislatures were actually outdated. And so you can see that it, it requires a lot from people to actually get to a point from the time where they're trying to access this information and attend a particular meeting or meetings of the different legislatures where they can participate and, and hopefully engage to when they actually have to formally be or informally be in the room. Uh, obviously, everything is now virtual, so, so people can't necessarily participate physically in the legislatures, but but we've had instances where, I mean, it's almost two years in, into the pandemic, and in some instances, meetings are not live streamed as regularly as they should be. Um, we don't know in some instances why some meetings are, are live streamed and, and others are not. And these are concerns that we've actually raised previously in open letters to the different provincial legislatures. And, and we've basically noted the fact that it's easier for people who actually know where to source this information, where to get it. Um, but even then, we face challenges, and we can only imagine how some of our partners who do not um, have access to this information is readily available struggle. I mean, one of our partners is the Parliamentary Monitoring Group, which does wonderful work in terms of updating and providing everyone, um, and it's open to, to members of the public um, and to, to MPs and, and everyone. But they've done some great work in terms of always ensuring that information is as up-to-date as possible. And so a lot of the civil society organizations actually rely on them to actually find out information around what is happening in the different legislatures. And I think, again, when we are speaking about the zero-rated website, so one of the gains that have been made in, in the last year, I think, definitely, is that we've been able to at least move to a more virtual platform. And again, I did note the fact that data is a huge problem, um, and more so for people who are based in more rural or less urban areas where connectivity is also a, a, a challenge. And I think we need to find ways within which we can get that information out to people and how they can actively engage um, in, 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 in the work of the legislatures. So one of our concerns, for example, as, as Polywatch and as PIP is that there's something, there's something known as constituency offices. And one of the struggles that we've had and other partners have had over the last couple of years is that we don't know in some instances who are those people who form part of the lists um, of the different constituencies, the MPs and the MPLs. And so it becomes difficult for us to provide this information to the public. And it's it's on the legislatures to actually update this information and provide this information so that members of the public can actually contact them and engage in the business of of um of, of the legislatures. And so these legislatures, for example, need to perform oversight and they need to be transparent um, in, in, and open in the way that they do this work. And in some instances, we've heard, again, of some closed meetings that, that um, have occurred in some of these legislatures. And the reality is, if you're going to have a closed meeting as a legislature, you need to provide reasons why to the public, why certain meetings are closed off to the public and why some are open to them. And you need to do it adequately and timelessly. I think that 
in order for us to have a democracy, it wouldn't be fair and a, a, a well-functioning democracy. People need to have this information and they need to have it timelessly and they need to know why certain decisions are made by public representatives. For example, another example that I can make is that you can make as a member of the public petitions to the different legislatures. And yet, in some instances, there have been concerns that people do not know how to exactly make those petitions because there's a specific format that must be made use of in order um, for you to make this petition to the different legislatures. And again, it has to do with how we, we capacitate people in um, in such ways where they can actively engage in the work of, of these legislatures. So what we have always advocated for is for the different legislatures to at least try and make use of local radio stations. A lot of, uh, a large proportion of the public actually makes use of local radio stations. And I think that we're missing out if we do not get this information out to the public in a, in languages that are easily accessible to them um, and on platforms that are, that do not require data, that do not require a lot of work. People can listen into their radio um, in the rural areas and they can they can understand. But I think also there's a there's another element to to accessibility or public engagement and participation is um, which is so it's all wonderful for us to get pe- people in the room and for them to, to, to voice their concerns. But we always wonder, are people able to actively engage? So you get people who can go and visit a provincial legislature, for example, but are they able to have their concerns heard and, and concerns actually paid attention to by, by the MPs and MPLs who um, are in charge of those different uh, portfolio committees. So there's something to be said about the fact that it's not just about getting people in the room, but it's how people engage in, in, in the rooms that, that are made accessible to them. I think that also there, there's been other challenges, but those are the, the major ones. And I think that we as different civil society organizations have tried to come together over the years to try and get this information out. And the only way we can continue to, to, to strengthen this is for us to actively work together and get this information out and for the legislatures to become much stronger in terms of ensuring that members of the public know what it is they do exactly. So, for example, my aunt in rural Limpopo does not know uh, that there is a provincial legislature in Limpopo and what the role of that provincial legislature is. And we need to interrogate why members of the public do not know that they're actually provincial legislatures and, and what those provincial legislatures should be doing. I know that some provincial legislatures, for example, have recently moved to um, opening up WhatsApp groups or WhatsApp platforms where people can engage with the work of those different legislatures, which I think is quite great because a lot of people actually make use of, of WhatsApp, even grannies, in, uh, older people, younger people, um, middle-aged people make use of, of WhatsApp. But again, the data is, is a big, big issue, and data costs in South Africa are quite exorbitant. And so we need to consider that when we create these wonderful ways um, or mechanisms within which people can actually access the, the, the legislatures. 
And in terms of our public access to online committees meeting with research, I cannot reveal a lot, unfortunately, because it's it's still underway. But I, I just wanted to note that we made some observations over the last two years around some of the committee meetings um, in, in, in Parliament and, and how they were accessible or inaccessible to members of the public. And we've made some wonderful recommendations. But again, I need to stress this point that those recommendations that we have made are actually some previously made recommendations that we have been making to the legislatures and to national, to the provincial legislatures, sorry, and to national parliament over the last couple of years. So again, I mean, we keep on making the same calls and, and we see that there've been some gains made, uh, like I said earlier on, but I, I think that we really need to start having more honest conversations about why it is that it's taking such a long time for the legislatures to be more open and transparent and accessible for members of the public. What are the barriers that are actually stopping people from participating? Are people maybe not aware? Are people feeling like it's an us versus them because the, the legislatures feel so far removed from their reality? Um, do they feel like their public representatives actually listen to them and, and what they have to say as members of the public? Because it is no use for us to open these spaces, but members of, of the public do not see the outcomes of the things that they have been saying over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So in terms of, 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 of our research, we've really um, gone into to monitoring some of the, the committee meetings that were held virtually. And, and again, I'm trying very hard to not reveal everything that we, we've done. Uh, but we've also previously done research that was released a couple of months ago, actually, on, again, national parliament, where we made some observations around um, some of the committee meetings that, that, that were held. And again, the same recommendations that we previously made are that there needs to be uniformity in how these portfolio committees function. There needs to be more accessibility in terms of how, um, for example, portfolio committee secretaries make information available and committee secretaries make information available to members of, of the public. And and again, I need to stress that even with us as the PolyWatch program, which has access to some extent, we still are faced with some barriers when we also need to access the information. So sometimes information is provided to us late. Um, sometimes we, we have to uh, relay this information as well to, to other members of, of the public. And so it, it really creates accessibility challenges and and I think it would be great for the legislatures to really start listening to what the public is saying and again we as PolyWatch and PIP cannot speak for the whole nation and we do not claim to do so and we do not claim to speak for the whole of civil society and community-based organizations Um, but definitely I think that some of the things that we have been saying over the last few years have been things that other civil society organizations and CBOs have have also previously reiterated around um, the work of 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 parliament definitely definitely and uh, And what what is 
what this boils down to from, from what I can see and being involved in the public participation process as well through, through TSL Africa is it's all based around trust and that, that trust is kind of waning between, between civil society and government, which strengthens the role of civil society organizations such as yours and, and ours and, and, and others. And the biggest problem and the challenge that we are facing, which you mentioned there, is feedback from from government. People want to know, has their voice made a difference? Has their input been acknowledged? And has government actually listened to, to my WhatsApp message? And, and have they actually listened to me? And I don't think uh, government has the capacity to, to do that. And therefore, I think the the role of, of civil society organizations is is paramount to to an effective and an inclusive democracy as, as we're going forward. Um, but uh, on on that note of, of social services and civil society organizations. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 Guy FM. We're chatting today, obviously, about participative democracy, but a, a rather different approach in the role of civil society in in the whole process. Uh, on on the line we have uh, uh, with us, we have uh, Moklatsi Komote, who is revealing some rather interesting uh, research that our organisation has has discovered, and uh, other in depth bit, bit of knowledge that that we should all perhaps be be aware of. Moklatsi, we were we were chatting about the whole role and the issue that came up there is, is trust. Now, you also mentioned um, that the government is a slow process and they're not, they're not acting as quick as they should have or, or as quick as they should, in fact, and um, therefore allowing civil society to, to step in. If we had to let um, the government take over this, this role of public participation completely, would we not be subject to political interference in the process, especially around uh, election time and electioneering? We know that uh, there's a there's a problem in our in our society where we're unable to separate politics from governance and tend to follow the politics rather than the the governance issues. Would would uh, political parties or how do we overcome? Maybe I actually ask that question rather. How do we uh, stop political interference in in these processes? Have you done any research on that? That's actually a very difficult question in in the bigger scheme of things. Um, Nothing I'm not sure where to start. (laughs) Because I think it's also got to do with with our political system in in South Africa. I'm not sure if we can ever fully separate uh, politics from from governance in, in any way. And I think this is something that that comes up in other countries as well um, outside of South Africa. It's very difficult. I think that the main thing that political representatives need to remember is when they when they're elected into these positions that they're there to serve the people and they're not necessarily there to serve the party, even though um they were put in those positions by by the party themselves. It's, it's actually, oh, I think it's something that we've been grappling with specifically over the last couple of years 
And so it's very, very difficult for me to actually provide you with a one-size-fits-all answer. No um, <laughs> and I think in terms of, of um, I mean, and, I mean, we, sure, I, I need to think about this a little mm. bit, actually. Perhaps they, there is research. I think that there is research done, uh, but I'm not sure by whom done on, on this specifically. But we, as far as I can remember, haven't done this, this research specifically, but we have made calls. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, public representatives need to remember what their roles and responsibilities are in terms of their constitutional mandates. And at the end of the day, the legislatures have an obligation to make laws. They need to perform oversight, be transparent and open in their work, and facilitate public engagement. And so, we we always have to keep that in mind, uh, or the legislatures rather have to keep that in mind when they they perform um, their duties. So it's sure, I, mm. I'm sure actually. I don't know. <laughs> do you feel about it, Robert? Um, no, absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's a it's a conversation that that we have amongst ourselves and all the time, all, all the time. Definitely. Yeah. I think we've had this conversation before as well. We have, we have indeed. And it's, <laughs> it's, I think it definitely then again boils down to educating the public as to, um, exactly what you said there to remind ourselves more than reminding our elected officials, elected representatives that there are public servants here to serve us and meet the will of the people. In a, in a democracy, it is a system of governance by, by the people through elected officials or elected representatives. However, because the public aren't actively engaged and involved in decision-making processes, either due to a, a, a lack of access to it or just a lack of knowledge that these systems exist, then we create that uh, situation where the uh, representatives become leaders and leaders eventually become um, autocratic over over their constituencies because they feel that what they're doing is in the best without any knowledge as to what's actually going on. So I think it's. And I think on us. that point to say, Rob, just to mm. I'm sorry to interrupt you here, but no. to just say that at the end of the day, public representatives need to be accountable and they need to be accountable to people, and that's the one thing that 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 will help us in our democracy. That accountability, the transparency, and openness. Around what is actually happening in 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 our country is vital, I believe. Yeah, yes, and so you cannot have instances where members of the public are fully able to engage and participate if information is not made accessible to them, if information is not transparent, if it's not, if platforms are not open to them. Uh, it's very difficult for members of the public to engage adequately. In, in the work of the different legislatures and, and the work of government if they do not even have access to the basic information. And so we need to really deal with, with the structural issues that are causing or creating the issues that we have in terms of accessibility. So, for example, like I said earlier, is people are based in a rural area and do not have access to information. How do we get that information to them? How do we ensure that people are able to participate fully um, in in, in um, what's happening in our country if they don't have this information? So I think it, it really 
requires us to be quite active. Um, and most certainly, I think government very, very much so to be active in ensuring that all members of the public um, across the different provinces are are able to access this information. So it's quite it's quite difficult, and we see it in what's been happening um, across the various political parties as well, um, especially in currently in the in the local government elections. And so when when people vote, I think they need to to keep that in mind. I'm obviously not going to speak about about voting necessarily on on this platform. But definitely, I think that people need to always keep that in mind, that whoever they vote for should be people that they can hold accountable um, mm. in whatever decisions that, that they make, definitely. Um, oh, that's, I think that's a crucial point as well, and, and well done for saying, for saying so. What, what we need to do is perhaps notify people or educate them as to these, that these processes actually exist and that they have a right to actually participate they shouldn't just be making a mark on a piece of paper once every five years. They should actually be involved in the day-to-day running. But majority of people don't actually know that these processes exist and they don't realize that they have the power to, to bring about to bring about change. Mukhlati has been... With the the COVID-19 yeah. as well, sorry, with COVID-19 mm. as well, there have been lots of challenges. You're right. So how do you get people who are hungry and who are facing unemployment to fully engage as well. There's so many issues that I think are facing our country. And and, and when we we try and deal with these issues, we need to keep that in mind as well, that what works in other countries may not necessarily work here, and we have to create ways of meeting people where they are. Um, I can't speak for people, and I think that pe- people in different places can speak for themselves very much so i think there's something to be said about the fact that we shouldn't speak to people we should speak with people and hear what it is their needs are but i I want to really stress the fact that with COVID 19 we've really seen it's become glaringly obvious what some of the issues are in terms of public access and accountability and until we get to a point where we deal with these issues. Uh, I'm not sure how people can fully engage in a participatory democracy um, and, until mm. we address those. So I think I would love for us to continue having this this discussion, and it would be great to hear what members of the public think about this. But definitely, we have to deal with the other issues. We cannot speak about people participating in our democracy if we're not also dealing with the fact that we have high rates of gender-based violence in our country, unemployment, um, and hunger, and, and all those other issues. So, so I just thought that I would note that as well. Oh, definitely, and, and well noted on that. I think it's brilliant. Mukhlati, it's been an absolute wonder chatting, wonderful opportunity to chat to you. And I think we should definitely, definitely do it. We have a lot to talk about and a lot that the public needs to know and a lot that the listeners I'm sure would like to know. And if, if the listeners have any any questions that they would like answered, please send us an SMS on 34519 or send us an email at onair at highfm.com and pose your questions and we can definitely answer them either directly or on air as a topic next next time we chat to McClutzy. McClutzy, Thank you so much, and I hope you have a wonderful day further. 
Thank you so much, Rob, and thank you so much to the High FM listeners. It's been wonderful being on this platform, and I hope that this discussion goes beyond High FM, and, and we have these discussions in our communities and amongst ourselves as civil society organizations and members of the public, and we find ways to hold our public representatives accountable and that we always advocate uh, for adequate oversight over the work of different governmental uh, representatives and, and, and spheres. Thank you very much for having me today. It's been an absolute joy to be here.